epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, takes it in! With your host, Elliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip We are back again, Hang Time Podcast. The entire crew, minus a couple, are here this week. Tori Carmen, the super intern, we cannot find her anywhere, Micah. Um, I'm not sure if we've sent out a flare or, or anything to find her, but we do have Lang Whitaker of Slam Magazine back in the hideout again. Lang, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, good. Uh, Clint Hawkins, our master of controls, is behind the glass along with Micah Hart, our super producer. Uh, schedule week, Lang. Uh, yes. Hall of Fame week, you know, lots of big stuff going on around the league. Are you, the NBA schedule is, is going to be released, by the way, on uh, Tuesday, August 10th at 2 p.m. Eastern. So you'll be able to find out the Miami Heat's entire schedule and uh, all these newfound Heat fans can plot their lives, you know, from now until uh, April. <laughs> do you think? Do you think there's more new Heat fans or more new Heat enemies now? You know, that is a great question. Enemies. Um, <laughs> Mike, Micah, the, the the hater of the year in there, automatically jumps to the to the evil side of the fence. I think there's I more Lakers fans now. I don't know. I don't know. I think there are a lot of people, you know, that it's like anything. Everybody wants to ride the hot train. You know, they want to be on whatever's hot. And yeah. uh, and I've, I've bumped into tons of people. I was in the barbershop today, and a dude tells me, yeah, I got, you know, I got, I'm all set for my, my Christmas Day trip to L.A., you know, for the Lakers Heat game, and I'm going. You seriously getting ready to fly to L.A. to watch the Lakers in the Heat? And he's like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's all set. You know, so I mean, it's that kind of event now. The Heat, as a team, yeah. they're the kind of team that people will basically drop everything they're doing and build a vac- a mini vacation around. Yeah. So, I, I think there's probably a lot of people who are going to just love to hate the Heat now. You know, I don't. I don't think people want them to be successful, like fans who don't have a stake in the matter. Right. Well, I mean, I think some people, Lang, are, it's like a lot of things. A lot of folks want to sit around and see him crash. Like, yeah. they want to follow it just to see if they'll crash and burn before they get to the finals. Let me ask you all this, though. Do you think that it's all because of the three of them playing together, or do you think that it wouldn't have been as bad 
had they had like LeBron come out with the two of them and said, "Listen, we're all best friends." Blah 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 blah. Or is it because of LeBron's decision? You mean do I think if LeBron had been in the back of the car and said, "We are the three best friends that anyone"? No. Uh, <laughs> what? You never seen The Hangover? <laughs> yeah. <but. laughs> uh, no, I don't think that would have happened. I, I think uh, I think the hatred stems, Micah, from the the show. I think because I think there would have been a lot of people that weren't big fans of this team if they all three just decided, hey, we're going to play. There would have been oh, a yeah. lot of there would have been a lot of backlash. But then the I, decision came, and people who were just passersby decided, man, I can't, you know, I don't like the idea of this. I don't like this LeBron James thing. I mean, I can't tell you how many people who are not diehard NBA fans that brought up that show, LeBron and the Heat, to me afterwards. Yeah, I but I I think. Even if LeBron had come out and said, uh, you know, not even had the TV show, if he just said, I'm going to Miami and these are my guys and, you know, we're going to have fun and da-da-da, people would still be like, I don't want you to win. (laughs) (laughs) I think people don't want it to work. And they're going to come out and be like, I don't care how this goes. Uh, You know, just I don't want this team to be successful. Well, Lang, in your heart, I mean, seriously, be be serious here. In your heart of hearts, do you want to see the Heat play for an NBA title this year? Like, is that, in your mind, is that what's best for basketball? And it's yeah, obviously question. a great story for us, you know, yeah, just yeah. in the business. But I mean, in 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 terms of what you think is best for the for the game, do you think that's that's good? I don't know what's best for the game. You know, like, is it is it best for the game when the Lakers play the Celtics, or is it? <laughs> best for the game when Cleveland made it a couple of years ago. I, I mean, I, I'm a Hawks fan. I, I don't want to see a team. I don't want to see a team from the Atlanta's division be in the finals. Cause that means that the Hawks aren't in it. You know, right. I, um, I don't know if it's, I, and that's another question that you bring up though. I don't know if it's good or bad for the NBA for basketball. If, if the heat are a great team or if the heat are terrible, like, I mean, if the heat have a bad year, does that make it more interesting the next year? You know, I, I don't know how all this plays out really. I don't know. I mean, Micah, I'm, I'm, I'm of the uh, mind that the more heat, the better, you know, I, I really am. Um, and I don't know if everybody else feels that way. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm the kind of guy that I think you, you ride that good story until it, until it runs out. And the, the the beautiful thing for people in Miami and the horrible thing for a lot of other folks laying is <laughs> this goes on for the next six years potentially or longer. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just want to be able to go get some cafe con leche. Last time I checked, whenever I'm in Miami and I'm and I'm sipping cafe con leche, you are usually nearby. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem to be complaining either. <laughs> I have to order the rest of the food. <laughs> <laughs> well, we yeah. we need one more person, and we could do our little. Uh, I won't sing it again. Don't anyway, <laughs> um, but no. This, so we got the schedule. We got USA Basketball Lang. I'm, I'm not sure. Are you going by there at all to see um, some of that action yeah, in New York? Going yeah, on Thursday at a Radio City. Okay, play uh, the exhibition game. It should be kind of cool. See yeah. a basketball game in Radio City musical. Okay. So I mean, you, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, the Hall of Fame, you're close by. I mean, you're close enough to get to the Hall of Fame as well. I don't know if you're gonna gonna no. make it up there. Um, I don't think I am. I know that NBA. Um, dot com and NBA TV are all over it though. Yeah, right. yeah, it's gonna be all over the website, all over NBA TV as well. Um, 
But again, I mean, continuing our conversation, Lang, about the heat and, and everything else, but certainly about that, what's going to transpire in Miami this season. Um, uh, very special guest coming on the Hangtime Podcast now. Uh, legendary coach John Thompson uh, is joining us. And we appreciate you so much, Coach Thompson, for coming on. But thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Lane Whitaker and I have been discussing this Miami Heat team, Coach, and just what exactly is best for basketball in terms of this team's season and how they fare. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, in, in the history that you have in and observing the league, if you think this is a good thing, first and foremost, and what kind of season you think best suits the fans as we watch that team? Well, I think it's good because it creates a different kind of interest. Uh, from that perspective, everybody's talking about it, in particular when the season is not going on and people are anticipating possibility of some kind of lockout. So it's positive. I think people are evaluating those young men getting together in a primitive manner. You know, if people are free, they're able to put their heads together and they're able to work out some things and it's not illegal, that's fine. But as far as them playing, I think people are getting that kind of foolish as if this team is going to jump up and win everything in sight in the NBA. I don't believe that for one minute. Right. (laughs) How do you think they'll do this year, Coach? I think they'll do well. You know, obviously because of the fact that they have those extraordinary players and probably they'll put some more pieces in you know, that'll make them a good team. But you you don't inherit a championship. You have to win it. And these guys are going to have a bullseye on their back and everybody's going to play against them hard. But I hear people talk about this as if automatically they have a championship. And as I indicated to you, that's not something that you get. It's something that you have to prove on a basketball court. That's what's so great about the NBA. There's so many great players in the NBA that you're not going to just come in because you have LeBron and Wade and Bosch there and win a championship. I, I asked Seiko earlier, Coach, do you think more people are fans of this team or are there more people that now are going to root against this team because uh, they put together this super team? Well, and that's the interesting. You, you know how fans are. You right. know, it's almost becomes like a fifty-fifty thing. I think most of the people there will root for them, but I, I think people just as much are interested in seeing you fail in sports as they are in seeing you succeed. Right. And particularly when it, it, it's saying that that is portrayed as if it's a sure thing. You know, and, and you guys have been around this game long enough to know that there are no sure things in sports. And I think that there will be a lot of people who are looking at them and hoping that they won't succeed. Yeah. Coach, I'm I'm curious, too, this this idea of a super team that everybody's talking about. And, and a lot of people acted like it's never happened before. But if you think back to some of those great teams of the past, certainly those Celtics teams, that was more than a super team. Um, were they viewed that way at the time? in their day by by other teams' fans and other teams as some kind of conglomeration of, of, of super talents and maybe they had the deck stacked in their favor? Well, see, you make a hell of a point because they weren't considered a super team until after they won a championship. <laughs> right. <laughs> see, and now this team is being called a super team and they haven't won a damn thing. You know what I mean? So I think that, you know, they're capable of winning. They've got great players and guys who've dedicated themselves to the game. 
but it's almost unfair in a sense to put that label on them. I was saying the other day on my radio show that anybody that says you're going to have a perfect record is not your friend <laughs> in any sports before right. the season, in right. any sports. You know what I mean? People usually say, oh, thank you, he loves you. Whenever they said that when I was at Georgetown that we had an unbeatable team and somebody would come up to me and say to me, oh, that's great, they really like you. i say, I'd be damned, that's my enemy if he said it before the season. <laughs> Right. Coach, does it change at all, do you think, the perception or the way that people are going to view this? Because those Celtics teams and, and used to draft guys and, you know, build it kind of organically, and the Heat just kind of went out and did it in one day. <laughs> I mean, how how is that play into all this, do you think? Well, you know, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? And, and I'm partial when you talk about the Celtics. Sure. You know what I mean? But, you know, it, it's just, it, 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 see, it provokes, all of this stuff provokes thought. You know what I mean? That's what it basically does. And and we love this in sports to talk about if this scenario works and that scenario doesn't work. But, you know, it, it still comes down to the fact that somebody may get an injury, somebody may not get an injury. You know, somebody, you know, you get three guys sit down at a table, fellas, in the middle of the summer during the off season and say we're going to play together. It's a hell of a lot different when you're out there on that floor and when coach takes one out or gives another one the last shot or lets somebody else play more than the other one. That ain't sitting at a table having dinner with a cup of wine. I'm going to tell you that. Right. Well, Coach, to, to turn the page a little bit, the uh, and I know you were in the Basketball Hall of Fame um, you know, inducted in, in 1999. This week, there's another group making that, that walk into uh, basically legendary status in the game of basketball. Do you do you go back uh, in terms of going to the induction ceremony year after year? And do you can you talk at all about just the feeling you have when you make it to that stage of your career? Well, you know, I, I have been back a couple of times when Michael was inducted in and John Cheney, you know, and a couple of people. Uh, I've gone back. I haven't been able to go back every time. And obviously they're very nice and include all the guys who've been inducted in inviting you to come. But it's a special feeling. I mean, it's no question about it. I don't care how macho or how people downplay it. You know, that was something that, you know, I had a bet with some of my former players that I wouldn't cry. I, I said that once I got up, I said I will not cry. And damn it, I was like a little baby when I, got to, when I got to the podium because it did have special meaning. There's so many guys that you've heard about before you reach that level of success and so many guys afterwards which you respect and hear about and then you see all the guys that are there. And, I mean, it's just a very, very special special occasion to anybody who's inducted in the Hall of Fame. So it's great. I mean, it's no other way of putting it. It's a great, great feeling. Coach, I wanted to ask you about someone whose name inevitably comes up whenever uh, you talk about the NBA, Allen Iverson. Uh, have you talked to him? What's the latest with him? You think we'll see him again? Well, I certainly hope so. I think that you know, once he gets all of his personal affairs and basically, the things that he's concerned with right now is his marital situation. I think he's dealing with that. 
You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and anybody knows that who went through that or is going through that, that that's a very difficult emotional experience to have to deal with, and that's what created some of the problems with him. I think uh, I have read a couple of articles that totally misrepresented some of his situation and portrayed him a little bit different from what his situation was. But I hope that he gets a chance. But because of what happened in Detroit and what happened in Memphis, it's going to be very difficult. But can he play? I definitely think he can still play. Would he play well? I think he would play extremely well if he can put this personal stuff behind him that's going on. And that's a very difficult situation for any of us to have to deal with. Sure. Coach, I – that, that brings up a, a larger point that I've been talking about with the guys here. When when do these players get to the point where they're accepting the wisdom that their coaches and advisors and the and the people around them are willing to give? Because I see so many of them struggling either during their careers with managing their affairs off the floor or at the end of their careers just trying to learn how to adjust to that different lifestyle, not being – the star player anymore, not, you know, having that spotlight on him all the time. Is there any stage of a guy's career where you can say this is when he's ready to listen and learn, or is it just different for every guy? I think it's different for every guy, but you've got to look at what motivated the man to become as good as he was. You know, when you start off, people tell you you finish, you know, and in the middle, it's just as you guys were saying about the three down there, uh, at uh, Miami, there's always somebody who's saying you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. So in your life, you have to gear yourself to not to believe everything you hear, not to pay attention, and your ego is inflated, and that's why you achieve what you achieve. And then all of a sudden, it comes to the point that you say, I've got to be now realistic, which ain't going to happen. Look at boxing. Very few people have ever retired from boxing undefeated because of the fact that they always believed they were as good as they were in their prime. And that's a difficult thing. I always like to call it debriefing. As much as we talk about motivating people in sports, it has to be a mechanism that hasn't been discovered that debriefs an athlete and makes him, who has not been realistic, all of a sudden realize it's time for you to become realistic again. Mm-hmm. You're talking that's about- hard. That's hard. Yeah, that's, that's very hard. That's got to be the hardest thing I would imagine for an elite athlete coach. And you've had so many that you've dealt with and coached and, and mentored over the years. You know, you look at a guy like Alonzo Mourning, who appears to have made a, a beautiful transition from a college, you know, high school superstar to a college star to an NBA star, and now a, a star off the court at this stage of his life. And I just wonder, you know, why so many of these guys struggle. To, to achieve those sorts of things. Well, and I think you make a hell of a point in citing Alonzo because Alonzo was a guy who I tried to convince to stop when he was getting a kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. You know, now that worked out, but I was afraid of him and his well-being and his life, and I told him that he's accomplished so much that you don't need to play anymore. But the reality of it is, is he continued on to play. It worked out. He did well. You know, he's doing so well in helping other people. He's on the board of directors at Georgetown. Mm-hmm. But that's a similar situation. I mean, he didn't accept the fact that even though he was getting a kidney transplant, that this was the end of his career. 
The same thing happens when you get a guy like Stevie Francis, who I talked to on Friday, and we were talking, asking him would he have an opportunity to come back and play. And he was telling me that he would not take a subordinate role (laughs) if he came back and played. The same thing relates to a guy like Allen. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is as small as Allen, who's accomplished what he has accomplished against all odds. Now, at what point do you – start becoming realistic you don't because that's the thing that made you you know the the same monster that made you good is the monster that ends up eating you up right but don't you think i mean as fans if an alan iverson or a steve francis was able to kind of embrace that role and be be a six man i mean fans would love to see that and as a fan i would think that would be amazing to see alan iverson be that guy you know to, to come in and and to play that supporting role, but as you say, maybe we'll never see that. Right. No, and I, and I think you're right. I would enjoy seeing it. You would enjoy seeing it. And we both know that on certain days you would see signs of what we saw years ago. Sure. You know, I mean, you would see that, but it's still, you know, I mean, we that's a part of that debriefing process that I like to make reference to we motivate kids from the time that they're doing we tell them poems and we have sayings about believe in yourself or you can do anything you think you can you know and then but we never prepare them for the fact that you know there's only one undefeated opponent in life and that's age it ain't lost a damn ball game. <laughs> you, know, you know let me see and, and they're never prepared for that undefeated opponent because of the fact that they've had to motivate themselves. And we created that, us as coaches and us as fans. And then when we look at this guy, we say, well, why isn't all of a sudden he realistic? The thing that we admired about him is that he never was realistic and he accomplished things that we didn't think uh, he, he, he was able to do. So it's hard. It's not an easy thing. Yeah. Right. Now, Coach, that's, you raise great points, Coach, and uh, when we spoke on on your radio show a couple of weeks back, I, I thought you uh, – you really nailed a lot of those same points. This is a, it's a tough time right now, it would seem to me, for young players especially. And I think about a kid from the D.C. area, Michael Beasley, just knowing how to manage yourself in, in the, this day and age with the media, with Twitter, with social networks and all this stuff. And, I, you know, you, you have to be willing to listen to somebody, Coach. And I know you've been a, a sounding board for lots of guys, guys you coached in college, guys that have gotten into the league and just come to you for advice. Do you find yourself saying these same things over and over and just hoping that these guys are listening, some of them? No, no. I see that the one thing you said is I do say them over and over, but I don't give a damn if they're listening. <laughs> uh, see, because that's their responsibility right. to listen. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know as well as I know that these young people have so many people in their ears who don't know a damn thing about what they're talking about. Right. And, and they fed their egos for the sake of exploiting them, told them everything that they wanted to hear as opposed to what they needed to hear. So I feel my obligation is to say, hey, I'm going to tell you since you came to me what I believe to be the truth. And if you accept it, fine. If you don't accept it, that's your responsibility. You know, the devil only tempts you. You make the decision, you know. <laughs> and so I, I'm going to tell you, you can make a decision as opposed to, you know, uh, listening, and that's fine. Don't listen, but you're going to have to live with it. And it's pitiful, though. You know that as well as I do. I mean, it's very pitiful 
when you see a lot of the guys looking over their shoulders, looking for that fame and that attention, and in a lot of instances that money which they earn, and it's almost, you know, something that, you know, will make you cry in looking at it. Yeah. Is there any is there any way around that? Is this, is this just the reality we live with today? No, I think it's the reality that we live with, and I think it starts from the time that you are brought up by your parents and, and, and the people who are responsible for you. Folks are reluctant to tell people the truth because they're trying, particularly talented people. Right. Very few talented people are told that you're rude, told that why did you say that, why did you do that, because people want the association. They want to be around them. You know, and, and then when it comes down to it, everybody deserts them, and then they start. The only time some of these so-called friends evaluate some of these players are when they know the guy's through, and they start saying, well, I tried to tell him. <laughs> After exploiting him, I tried to tell him. Right. right. Well, Coach, listen, um, we, we appreciate you coming on the Hangtime Podcast with us, and if we can be affiliated with you in any way, we'll take that. And yes, we, sir. So we appreciate it so much. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. You guys take care of yourself. Thanks, Coach. You too. Thanks, Coach. Okay, bye-bye. I need to have him speak, like, on a daily – really, on a daily basis. They should just be, like, five minutes He could do, like, John Thompson. Like, tweets, like Rev yeah, Run. Exactly. Like the, you know, the motivational life coach tweets. I, I mean, I just don't think is – I think if, if you really sit down and examine – the whole existence of this thing, you know, in terms of some of these players and, and just the league in itself, so much of the time Lang is spent on basketball and just, you know, get the job done, you know, right now, this this here right in front of you. So, you know, but none of that energy and time is spent on the transitions I was talking about. You know, when, yeah. you, when you're a high school phenom or a high school star and you have to learn how to adjust – to you know the the college level and then the next level, you spend so little time on the off the court transition and, and so much time worried about just the game. It's and it's sad because you see a lot of guys struggle at at this stage. Of, you know, I the think, end of their you know, I think it's in a way because so many of these guys, especially the guys that we see in the NBA, have made it from all these levels because they're so good on on the court um, that people make it easy for them off the court, right. you know, and some of the guys who are the most well-adjusted guys are the guys who didn't have it easy, you know, um, yeah. guys who walked on in college or whatever, you know, signed as free agents in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and they had to fight their way there and they, you know, they had to learn how to make these adjustments for themselves and nothing was handed to them. Yeah. It's a, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous game too, because for all those guys that you, that you took speaking of right now, we both know and everybody else knows that you win championships and you win at the very highest level, you know, in, in basically any sport with those those guys on the other side, those super talented, you know, narrow-focused, driven guys who want to, you know, who are yeah. all about, the you know, the game and, and being a great player or whatever. You, I, It's just a tough balancing act, you know, when you talk about – yeah, I think of Beasley. And, you know, you wonder – I don't know if you ever think about this. I always wonder myself, like – does a guy's station, like wherever he gets drafted or whatever, does that have more of an effect on his future, you know, his success after that? Or does the guy himself ultimately bear the responsibility for whether or not he's going to be successful? So much of it is the, you know, the the environment you go into your first time, you know, in the uh. NBA. I, it's always something I, I wrestle with just thinking about what 
what plays the bigger role in that? Well, I think where they came from has a big part of it too, yeah. you know? Um, and maybe it's a guy who came not anymore, but used to come straight out of high school or, um, a guy who came from, a playing four years in college. I, you know, I, I think a lot of that, um, their family situation, all that stuff plays a part in all this. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, and I think coach said it, I mean, it's, it's different in every case. Um, and I don't know if there's a way to, I mean, I, I guess if we, if we had some way to, to, to know <laughs> the yeah. draft, the draft would be a lot less fun. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to be some fun this weekend. Like I just got yes. an email here. Michael Jordan will present, be presenting Scotty Pippen at the hall of fame. Um, <laughs> and you know what happened the last time MJ hit the stage at the hall of fame fireworks, baby. I'm gonna let you finish. Fireworks! <laughs> I think you ought to go to Springfield this weekend, sir. <laughs> that should be interesting. Yes, take the flip cam and hit the Hall of Fame, sir. Hit the Hall of Fame. Um, but no, I mean, you know, you think he'll, you think he'll talk about how Scotty wasn't better than him? Oh, I'm, I'm sure there will be a joke made about how Scotty was robbing his Batman. <laughs> what do you, what are you guessing? Yeah, I you think know. I don't know if it'll be a joke. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll come out with the intent of being a joke. It probably might not be received that way. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I rode to the Hall of Fame uh, on a Winnebago the year Dominique Wilkins went in. I was, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, man, I was like, uh, uh, that was my first and last trip on a Winnebago. By the way, I was, they, they were super gracious to let me to go with them, the whole family. But uh, I had no idea how bumpy that ride would be. And then when you add, like, you got 26 people in the thing, you know, camera crews and Did you guys sleep me on that thing? And, yeah, I slept on the floor. I was like 3 a.m. We're riding past, like, you know, I think we're riding through Delaware somewhere on our way from Atlanta to Springfield. <laughs> and I wake up and there's like a, you know, a baby diaper laying on my chest. And, I mean, because Dominique, you know, there was babies on there. And it was, I think was I had a, a-, a cameraman's shoes were laying on next to my head. I was like, what the? Was that a prank or was that just... No, it was just late night action, baby. I woke up and actually sat. Dominique was driving, believe it or not. We got to get... I got to make sure somebody gets me a copy of that, uh, that special they did. But Dominique was driving at one point. Like, I got up. I woke up in the middle of the night and Dominique was driving us through D.C. You were like, this and, is uh, a nightmare. <laughs> this is it, like Inception. <laughs> a bad dream on top of another kick. dream. <laughs> But Dominique, uh, Dominique's driving past D.C., and I woke up and kind of sat with him for like an hour and a half. Yeah. And we just talked, and it was sweet. I mean, the Hall of Fame really is one of the good times you're going to have. Um, and I and I had never been before that, but I, I really I have the fondest memories of going up to the Hall of Fame that year. It was a fantastic uh, trip and a, and a great night. So I'm looking forward to Friday night. Because I, I want to see what Carl Malone has to say. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Stockton won't, you know – I don't know who I don't know who's going to talk a whole lot, but I'm I'm guessing Carl Malone will have plenty to say. Yeah, I you think know. I went to the Hall of Fame when I was probably in high school, and I haven't been back. Um, and I need to go. I mean, I'm only a couple hours mm-hmm. here, but uh, I need to get back up there and check it out. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good time. So Lang, we we've talked to Miami Heat to death on the show this week. Let's let's go to the other side of the the uh, coin here. Let's talk the Western Conference, and namely the Phoenix Suns, my new favorite team in the West, thanks to uh, 
to one guy, and that's Josh Childress. Who, uh, Yo. Look at him. Who's rolling <laughs> with us on the Hang Time Podcast. What's up, dude? <laughs> What's up? What's up? You got Listen, you got your two favorite cats in the media on, on the podcast at one time. On the phone. Yeah, I know, man. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy right now. So, listen, I know, I know we've talked about it uh, privately already, but, again, congratulations on coming back stateside where we can keep our eyes on you, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I'm definitely excited to be back home. I saw, uh, Josh, I saw the picture you tweeted from the Stanford weight room the other day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> where it's Josh Childress and Tiger Woods next to each other on the wall. <laughs> what, what were you doing in the weight room? That was my real question. <laughs> and stay away well, from I Tiger. Like to go, uh, I like to go browse every now and then. You know, I don't think. <laughs> Josh is like, what are these things? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, yeah. what was it like uh, playing in Athens with Seku for the last couple of years? <laughs> Y'all get off my cousin, dude. That's my guy over there. Uh, I've been waiting, uh, I've been oh waiting two God. years to ask that question. What's Seku yeah. Maybe Sovo is good, though, man. He's out there. He, he just signed with Maccabi. Yeah, um, I saw that. So he, yeah. So he's, he's, I'm sure he's happy. So, Chills, how, how much time did you spend – deliberating this summer i know in the last couple of years you had a that short window of time to decide right. you know but this summer you had to come back this summer thinking this is the time to strike you know what i'm saying and come back in a free agent summer with so much stuff going on so many different players in play around the league you had to know this was the summer you were coming back well you know the, the big thing that, that i thought about was you know there were so many different free agents um, but there are so many different teams, you know, that had cap space money and, and you know, money to spend um, that there's going to be a lot of teams left with uh, with nothing, you know. And so, um, you know, I wanted to just give myself an opportunity to, to, to step into a role in a team that, um, you know, I felt like I could fit in and, and uh, you know, into a nice city and a nice organization. And, um, you know, that's where I'm at. How did, uh, how did it become Phoenix? Man, it was uh, really out of the blue. I mean, um, you know, I, you guys, both of you guys know I switched agents. And, um, you know, so that kind of opened up talks with a lot of other teams. You know, it was kind of like a fresh face, fresh voice. Um, and, uh, you know, things just kind of came out of the blue. I, I met with uh, Coach Gentry and, and Mr. Sarver, and that was that. It was done. Josh, how how surprised were you initially when you decided to go to Greece at all of the, the venom? Like, you know, a lot of haters came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. You know, just yeah. assuming that you would struggle over there and not play well. And it was like, you know, God, this guy is signing away his career to go to Greece for a couple of years. Right. Um, I mean, you know, that, that just shows that, – that lets me see who's truly, you know, in my corner and who's not, you know. And, and I, I was able to see that through that process. Um, you know, I saw – you know, all the guys that are smiling in my face. And, you know, and the minute I, I do something uh, for myself, um, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, he can't do this, he's this, he's that. You know, he shouldn't do this. You know, and, I mean, quite frankly, you know, it bothered me for a little bit, but, you know, I did what I had to do. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I had to make grown man decisions uh, for myself and for my family. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy to uh, to have gone through it and experienced it and, uh, you know, be back uh, home on my terms. 
what looking back now, I mean, it might even be too soon to look back, but what was the experience like? Did it meet your expectations? Was it anything like you thought it would be? Nothing like that? What was it like? Man, you know, it was a uh, – honestly, I didn't know what to expect, but at the same time, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time. I enjoyed my experience. Um, you know, I had some, some ups and downs, um, yeah. you know, on the court and, you know, off the court. And, um, you know, it was times where I was, was kicking myself for leaving. There were times where I, you know, was wondering why I didn't do it. You know, it's just <laughs> I, I had I had great moments and bad moments. But, um, you know, that's that's how you grow. And, and um, I felt like I grew as a person through it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm freaking on the 10 freeway, man. He was driving crazy. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> hands free, brother. Hands free. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm just glad I was able to experience. It. Chills. What kind of role? And and I don't know how much time you spent since you signed. Um, talking with not only the coaches but your teammates in Phoenix. What kind of role are you expected to play right away for the Suns team? Um, not you know I don't know if they've even discussed specifics, but I mean, what kind of role are you expecting to play? And do you think they're expecting you to play? Well, I, I I spoke with Coach Gentry. He's very, very open and honest. Um, you know, and basically, you know, what he said was that, you know, they have um, you know, they have a team that did well last year. Uh, obviously they lost Amari, but um, you know, they would like me to, to, to come in and, and provide that spark, um, you know, off the bench. Uh, you know, they said pretty much that Grant is, you know, gonna be the starting three. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know, provide spark off the bench and, and um, you know, his main thing though was that whoever um, is playing well is going to play. He said, you know, I don't, I don't play favorites. I don't, you know, I don't try to to, to bring guys in just to bring them in. You know, if, if guys are rolling, then I'm going to let them play. Um, you know, and I respect that. Uh, you know, and it's just it's up to me. It's up to how hard I work, how well I'm playing. Um, you know, he kind of made that pretty clear. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm all for that. I mean, I, I don't have any issues with it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be, um, you know, a great year, um, you know, with a, a really good team and seem to be classy guys, uh, you know, and, and what I've seen from them and, you know, know of them. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that that chance. You know, Josh and I talked a lot the last couple of years while he was in Greece doing his column for Slam, but I know you didn't – you weren't able to watch – a lot of NBA while you were over there. Um, right. Ha- have you watched Suns stuff since then? Have you watched tape or like, how are you, do you feel like you can kind of just slip back into it? Um, well, I've, I've done a little bit of research. Um, yeah. I watched some, you know, a little film and had, had some of my, uh, my buddies kind of just break down some stuff for me. Um, you know, but I think, uh, I would, I would enjoy just going in and just, you know, eyes wide open and, and, you know, really just taking it all in, um, you know, their, their offense, their style. Um, you know, I know they run, you know, and I've been, I've been on the court running a lot, you know, trying to get in, in better shape, uh, you know, and just really trying to, to, to focus on um, just playing that style, you know, playing a controlled uh, running gun style that, you know, makes, makes or breaks uh, how they play. And, and that's, that's how I want to play. Josh, I hate to, I hate to drag this back up, but <laughs> but no, let me go ahead. Let me go ahead and do it. This this idea that you wouldn't accept a, a a role as a as a backup or off the bench with the Hawks was one of the things that came out when you decided to leave. And I right. never heard you say that. 
Um, right. But I heard so many p- other people write it and say it on the radio here in Atlanta. That Hawks beat writer at the time was yeah, that, that, dragging it that up. Yeah, that dang Hawks beat writer back then <laughs> all, you know, was muddying up the waters. But, I mean, what what was the breakdown for you with the Hawks in terms of why you couldn't get something done here? Like, I want you to clear it up for other people because I know we've talked about it, but the the one sticking point that didn't allow something to get done here, clear that up so I can repeat that and, and play this for people time and again so they understand it. I never once had a problem with that. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I was gonna, if I'm a six man, I'm a six man. I mean, you know, I, that's not my issue. Uh, my right. issue is just, uh, you know, just feeling respected as, as a, a player, as a professional. Um, you know, and uh, you know, just tr- truly feeling like I'm not pigeonholed into one specific spot. Right. You know, uh, you know, there's times where I felt like I could have played a bigger role, um, and you know, it it wasn't really allowed. And there's. Uh, you know, it's, I, it's, I'm, I don't, I don't really want to get back into it, but um, <laughs> I never said that. You right. know, I, I, I have, I played six man pretty much for four years, um, and I played, you know, decent minutes. Um, so that that wasn't an issue for me. I mean, you know, I finished games. I mean, I started them, but I finished them. So you know, I didn't just care about being a six man. Right. No, I just, I wanted to clear that for my, own, you know, because I've had so many people. That I've had arguments with about it over the years, and you know, right. the past couple of years, it's like so much of what gets done during free agency. And this summer was a, a beautiful example, Lang. You know that and, as well as you, Josh. There's so much that gets said and done during free agency is third party hearsay, you know. Right. And you, and you hear so little from from people, so it's it's good to, like I said, it, I'm just glad you're back because, uh, no offense to the people in Greece, but man, that that footage I was. I didn't know. I mean, like, it was like Zapruder film. I was like, what is this? Like, I got to get some HD footage of my boy over here. Josh, tell yeah, Sekou yeah, about it. Tell Sekou. Having to go up for a layup and worry about getting hit in the head with something, man. <laughs> you have no idea, man. Tell Sekou about the finals over there. Oh, God. I, I didn't think about that, Sekou. No, I, I read a little bit about it, but. Uh, yeah, so we, we walk out, um, you know, to warm up. And, uh, you know, we were warming up for about a minute or something. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's eyes are burning and coughing. And, you know, and they had had to, they had to shoot tear gas in the gym because the fans were acting crazy. <laughs> so, you know, we had to go back in the locker room for about 20 minutes, let the air out. We come back on the floor, you know, and it's crazy. Um, you know, my, my, some of my boys were in town, um, you know, and, and they were sitting, you know, in the front row of the gym. Well, all the fans were throwing crap on the court. So... Uh, <laughs> So, um, you know, everything couldn't reach the court, obviously. You know, people were missing, and I'm assuming, you know, a lot of people probably were a little drunk or something. I don't know. Um, one of my boys got hit with a bottle filled with with uh, urine and oh, crap. Come on. Oh. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, like, what if that hit one of the players, man, you know? Um, so <laughs> Forget my out. friend. Like, what if what if I caught that thing in the front? Like, hey, boy, you're best. <laughs> uh, but you know, um, the 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 arena was absolute mess. Um, they had, they had broken like the steps, broken the toilets, broken the sinks. Wow. They had you know broken all everything in pieces and were throwing like pieces of that crap on the floor. Um, they tore seats out of the thing and were throwing those. Like it was just it was unbelievable, man. This before the game but, started, right? This was throughout the game. <laughs> then the game, the game, um, about five minutes to go in the third quarter, they throw uh, probably, I would say, five 
M80s put together. Oh. I'll say that's probably about the strength of it. Oh. Um, at their bench. And so they cleared, they cleared them to midcourt. And then once they're all in the circle in midcourt, they just start hurling everything at them. You know, anything <laughs> they can grab. And, you know, so everybody's just kind of, you know, worried. So, you know, then the game is postponed for another 45 minutes or whatever. And then we finally start playing again. We had to evacuate most of the fans. And then, um, you know, about what about three minutes left, um, the fans start acting up again, so they just called the game. Wow. I mean, was that your biggest worry over there was your own personal safety? I mean, because I know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know that's the biggest concern for a lot of, you know, Americans abroad is that they're always concerned about making it home safe. Yeah, no, definitely, man. You know, um, that, that was definitely a concern, and, and it, it was uh, – it was just unnecessary. I mean, you know, the the fans um, were really good in in Euroleague games. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I think the team gets fined and and all that stuff if if they act up during Euroleague games. But you know, when it comes to the Greek league games, they just turn turn it up a notch. Wow. You, I guess you won't have to worry about that in uh, in Phoenix now. You. I guess not. I, I hope not, man. <laughs> Until Miami I, I gotta worry about angry angry bloggers. That's about it. I think. <laughs> 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 but you had other you had other concerns too, like like finding American food and getting cable TV and. <laughs> oh man, I was good, man. Good. Nothing wrong with that Greek yogurt and all that other good stuff they got over there. Uh, it was good. It was really good. Actually, I thought you said you were eating it Fridays. <laughs> no, not that man. I had uh, one of my buddies came out, and uh, he actually is a chef. So okay. I was I was eating well, man, for for this year. Last year, it was a different story. Because <laughs> <laughs> you said you couldn't get pancake mix and all that stuff. Yeah, I bought all that stuff in bulk at Costco. <laughs> Took it over with me. You know, you, you guys, honestly, you, you take stuff for granted, man. And I, I see that sitting over there. <laughs> like pancake mix, syrup. Syrup, yeah. And, you know, you got to spend this. You know, every time I just really wanted some Lucky Charms. You got to go to the store, man. Lucky Charms cost 13 euros, dog. Wow. That's like, that's like, that was like 20 bucks at the time. You know what wow. I mean? Wow. It was just, you know, it's stuff, little stuff that we took for granted. I took for granted, you know, but. Would you pay um, for it? You know, would you buy it? I did every every so often. I did, heck yeah. yeah. Man, I'd have chewed so slow eating some $20. And that, yeah, that was the best cereal I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been chewing like the Matrix. It would have been slow-mo the whole time. <laughs> It was like real lucky charms. <laughs> Josh, we uh, we uh, we had John Thompson on earlier, talking about players and transitioning, you know, from different stages of, ke- of your career. You know, you know, you were a high school all American, you know, at Mayfair High School out in Lakewood, California. Then you go to Stanford, Pac-10 Player of the Year, your lottery pick. Now you're 27 years old, you know, a veteran of pro ball, not only, you know, in the NBA, but overseas. And I know you've always been, uh, you know, about your books, you know, doing summer classes this summer at Stanford. Has that always been in your mind just that you're not going to be a 21, 22, 23-year-old ball player your whole life and that you got to be planning for those next stages of life? And and if so, what, what kind of attitude do you take into it now at this stage of your career that you maybe didn't when you were 21? Definitely, man. You know, uh, as athletes, you know, and I see it more and more every day. Like we all got expiration dates, man. We all, we all, every single one of us. I mean, I, I, I remember 
when I was 18, 19, you know, I could walk into the gym and just hoop and this and that. Now I got to stretch and warm up. <laughs> right. You know, I got to stretch afterwards. I got to ice. I got to, you know, um, you know, everything, you, you got to realize that it's going to come to an end. And, you know, our window is so small. Um, you know, if you have a really good career, you, you got 12, 13 years, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, that puts most guys out at 35. Well, you still got a, a whole lot of life left. And, and um, you know, I'm just – I'm trying to hit the ground or be able to hit the ground running when I'm done as opposed to having to scramble, you know, and find a, a job or, or find a career, you know, after afterwards. But, um, you know, I think that that's something that a lot of guys take for granted is, you know, they think, okay, well, I'll save on the next deal. Well, I'll save on the next deal. Well, I, you know, and um, you know, they look up and, and it's over, you know. And so – um, you know, I, I'm I'm really trying to set myself up for that uh, now. Uh, you know, trying to get get my foot in the door and and you know trying to work my connections at Stanford uh, and uh, yeah, get get something going for myself, man. Yeah, because I mean, I bring that I, up know, only because I'm sorry, Josh, but I bring that up only because I remember how cheap Marvin was his rookie year. <laughs> and you tell me if you remember this. Remember that time we were on a road trip in Cleveland and we were at the uh, the mall next to the team hotel. And Marvin is like going in there his rookie year, and you were trying to convince him to buy a fifty dollar video game. Uh huh. And I'm laughing because you were trying to convince him to spend fifty bucks on it, knowing you didn't want to spend fifty bucks on it. <laughs> and then Marvin's like, "Man, I can't pay fifty dollars for it." <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then y'all, you and Marvin are the same two people who I believe made a bet That's of who right. could save per diem for the whole year. I mean, heck yeah, heck yeah, we did. Man, and you y'all know what? Are, y'all are a trip. And I, I ended up, and you know, in the big scheme of things, all right, compared to, you know, our salaries, okay, it might not have been a huge amount, but both of us ended up saving about 4000 bucks. you right. know? And that's, that's nice loot. That's some nice little change, you know? so That's like four boxes of Lucky Charms. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Josh, where did but- – uh, we were talking with Coach Thompson about this. Also, like, where do you think you get that from? Where a lot of guys don't don't have that sensibility or don't have that concern. Why is it important to you and not some other guys? Man, you know, I think I think I get it from um, having been around people with considerable wealth. You know, uh, you know, going to Stanford and you know just seeing growing up in Southern California and, and meeting people and stuff. Um, you know. They look at athlete money as toy money, you know. They, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, you know that's, you know we're we're rich, but uh, you know these people are wealthy. They have considerable wealth. You know they're making what we make in in over the life of our career. You know in a year, and right. you know so um, you know I strive to be like them and not like an athlete. You know so <laughs> right. so that you know that's kind of my goal and. and uh, um, that's what I try to, to tell guys. I, I had a, a young fellow on my team, uh, Patrick Beverly, who, who signed with Miami. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, I, I struggled with the whole year on, on you know, trying to get him to realize that and realize just, you know, the, the, the little things that you have to do to try to save and, you know, you might not need an extra this and an extra watch and an extra chain and this and that. And, you know, now, you know, he's, he's really he's done really well. You know, he's, you know, he signed a two-year deal. Um, you know, saved most of his money from last year, and you know, it just—it's good to see that because you know, you see so many guys on the other side who, at the end of their career, you know, have to 
go play somewhere else because they, you know, they spent all their money, you know, and and then ha- don't have any type of formal education or training to do anything else. All right. Nice. What do you, what do you want to do? Do you have any idea? Like after you get done playing? I. I'm, I told you I'm working on it, man. You know, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Yeah, I was going to say, you, uh, no. he's, trying to get, he's trying to retire you, Chills, and you just got back. I know, <laughs> man. <laughs> Sounds so defensive. Be, you know, I, think, I think I want to be um, a rider for a slam is what I'm <laughs> No chance. <Are> you... <laughs> I, I've read some of your writing in your emails. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know how many boxes of uh, cereal you're going to be able to afford working at Slam, so you might need to come up with some. <laughs> but on, on that same vein, is this a situation now with knowing that this time next year we could be talking about a potential lockout? Are players plotting right now, thinking about that, and are your are they talking? Are players talking to each other about that? About hey, being smart about what you do because. The future is a little uncertain, right? Um, well, I, I haven't really been gotten back into the whole scene yet. I mean, I haven't seen anybody or anything, but I, I'm sure guys are thinking about it. Um, you know, I, I hope that the guys aren't banking on it not happening. I mean, I hope that they prepare for the worst. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and me personally, I'm you know I'm buckling down even even a little more than normal just <laughs> for that reason. You know, it's uh you, know, you don't know what they're going to do, how long it's going to last. Um, you know, you got to be prepared. And you don't want to be one of those guys that, you know, has to – absolutely has to, to take a, a job, you know, somewhere else just because you haven't, um, you know, saved like you should. Take a job where? Like Best Buy or <laughs> right. No, I mean, I've yeah, tried like, that already. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Living right. boxes or whatever, I don't know. You I heard, know. I heard right. Yogurt Land is hiring out in uh, Manhattan. Yeah, Beach, you so know, <laughs> that's my spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Josh, we uh, again, man, we appreciate you coming on, and um, we hope you're doing the hands-free deal on the ten because I don't want uh, I don't want one of them choppers out there to catch you. Uh, <laughs> and we listen, we're just glad we're gonna be able to watch you on a regular basis again without uh, you know, scrambling the signal and. And having yeah, to decipher the, you know, the, the squigglies on the TV, man. It's good to see you back. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. I, it's always fun and jokes with you guys, man. I appreciate you having me on. No doubt, no doubt. Josh Childress, folks, Thanks, join Josh. us on the Hang Time Podcast. All right. One of our, uh, one of our all-time faves, certainly one of my all-time faves, Lang. And I yes, know sir. I know one of yours as well. He's just just a good dude, man. Just he smart, is, yeah. grounded, you know. Um, I was sick when he left. And I wrote quite a quite a lot about how upset I was that that the Hawks couldn't get a deal done. But well, you know, whenever you hear, I hear people say like, "Oh, the NBA, these guys are all you know thugs, and they just care about money." And I, I mean, Josh is to me like the perfect antithesis of that. Yeah, smart kid. Yeah, thinks about the future. Is going to school. Everything. Like I, I think he's a great example of uh, what the NBA can be. Yeah. No, he's he's a dude that they're gonna love in Phoenix. Um, yep. You know, and I'm enjoy, like I said, watching him play again because yeah, I think we people gloss over the fact that Stu was a really effective player. I mean, he was an excellent, you know, player when he was here off the bench, excellent role player. You know, what I'm saying did all the little things. 
And as good uh, as most guys play when they get teamed up with Steve Nash, you know, I mean, yep. I think him being a, as good a player as he is. And, and you know, the last two years in Greece, he was kind of the main man on that team. So right. uh, I, he's got a lot more experience, and I, I think he's going to be uh, – I think he's going to have a good year. Yeah. This, uh, this show didn't start out – you know, this week's edition of the podcast was not intended to be like this um, finance session. But I know, <laughs> I know we got into it just because of – you know, these are the kind of conversations we have in the dead of summer. Um, I feel like we learned something today. <laughs> you know, about um, time. Mike, Micah's got his Mister Rogers sweater on in there right now. He's unlacing his shoes. He's, but, <laughs> but no, we. You know, sometimes we gotta we gotta rein it in and get a little serious because th- this time next year we could seriously be looking at some dire stuff. You know, around yeah. the league, and I, I'm hoping that's not the case. You know, you hope something gets done. Um, to stave that off, but it, it's it's a real possibility that, that not only players and you know and teams have to be prepared for, but fans. I mean, have to be prepared for you know the, the potential of a work stoppage, not only in in the NBA but other sports as well. You know, the NFL and and uh, as well. So it's going to be interesting. I I just like I said, I'm I hate that these days end because we could go on and on. I mean, we could talk all day long if we could find enough numbers of people to call and get on the show and clown. Well, we need to get a producer to <laughs> Man, Micah is taking a beating today. Ouch. Micah Hart, our super producer behind the glass. Clint Hawkins doing his thing on the controls. Lang Whitaker, executive editor of Slam Magazine, joining us via Skype from New York. Lang, appreciate it so much. Enjoy the uh, USA basketball stuff this week, man. Give us a full breakdown of it next week on the podcast. and uh, do. And stay out of trouble up there, all right? I do. You know, I usually do. I know last week, I don't know if wifey ever beat you up about uh, all the smack you talked last week. So She doesn't even know I'm doing this podcast with you. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you better keep it that way, the bad as you talked about it last week. <laughs> but thanks, man. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll track you down, of course, between now and then, man. But um, thanks, as always, like I said, for, for coming on and rolling with us on the podcast. Always. All right. Clint. Get that music rolling, baby. Take us on out of here to the next one. Hangtime Podcast, NBA.com. You can catch us on Twitter at Hangtime Podcast. Sekou Smith, NBA, and Lang Whitaker. See you next time. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.